Hey, I want to welcome you to the Corner Convo, episode 132. Let me let you know where you are at at all times. A corner, like thousands of others across the country. It's a place to go if you want to be seen. And to a lot of folks, it's the information center of the neighborhood. Our job is to spark somebody else watching the ghost. We, we might not be the ones, but let's not be selfish. And because we're not going to change the world, let's not talk about how we should. The funk is in the bag, and the bag is the bass, and the bass never change. It's a groove. As soon as you hear that groove, I know I got you. My name is A-M-O-N. Say what you want, just spell my name right here. I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time. One of the best singers, one of the best looking motherfuckers you've ever seen. Hold my drink, bitch. Next up, next we up, we got my boy A-B in the building. I'm about to do that shit. Hey, I'm telling you, man. Any nigga that ever looked at me wrong owes me money or ever said any jealous bullshit about me is fucking dead. That boy's pretty tough. You understand what we the fuck I'm saying? We never gonna change these intros, huh? It's, hey, it's on y'all. It's forever. Time you got to do certain shit. It's on y'all. Okay. How's it? You ain't changed yours either. Next up, next up. <laughs> we got brother Mikey added up. I actually had, I chose I'm a song. African genius. So from now on, you chose refer to me as the African genius. Well, guess genius. what? This, this is all you're getting right now. So now <laughs> on, <laughs> okay. No, uh, no, 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 orchestra, huh? Nah. Wow. Rose bearers. <laughs> Rose bearers. Good enough? Yeah. Folks. From this day forth, anyone who throws the roses, <laughs> you know, I just freestyle it, man. You know. Answer to me. What up, man? What up? No and, and, and to my left, man, we have a very, 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 very special guest in the building, man. I don't know if I can intro you the right way, the way that McKinley can. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the rock. <laughs> okay? Uh, but the brother, the brother, man, the brother got his own money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I am in Zamunda right now. Uh, go you ahead. You want to cut the beat off no, somewhere I, I will, soon? brother. I will, brother. Just let, 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 me, let me produce this thing, man. Damn. <laughs> Go ahead, man. God, That's right. This is trash. <laughs> yes. As you can see, we are, uh, well, you maybe can't see the whole sign, but um, <laughs> we are uh, here on the south side in Bronzeville with the gentleman everyone knows, Mr. Eric Williams. Clap it up for Eric Williams. Clap it up for Eric Williams. Now, we know Eric is involved in a variety of things, some of that we're going to get into, but uh, uh, most notable, obviously, is the Silver Room, uh, the store itself, uh, which is now in Hyde Park, but started up north. I know we'll talk a little bit about that, um, which also spawned the Silver Room Block Party, which is definitely, hands down, one of the dopest events in the city Woo-hoo. every year, period. Uh, and now into this new venture, which we're going we gonna to swing around here at the uh, Bronzeville Winery over here on Cottage Grove, man. So, yeah, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah. Welcome what to what the what show, what It's been a long time. What, 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 what up, Joe? You good? What up, Joe? Hey man, um, we came over here when it was it's true, yeah. It was really stripped bare bones and uh, you know, a lot of construction workers here getting the job done. And we've been, you know, trying to get this this done for a while. But the finished product. Mm, yes, beautiful, bro. This is your first time in here. Thank you. Yes, since since it's been completed. Yes. You too, Bossy. Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful spot, fast. man. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, this is how was the, how was that process, man? Uh did it take more time than you're liking? Um, you know, I, I built some spaces before, so you, you know, you have uh, 
you know, it's going to take a year. Eh, you know, it's going to take a year and a half, 18 right. months. You kind of right. already right. know. You right. know, you have these milestones set. You have these goals set. We actually built this literally in the middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, supply chain issues, people getting sick, COVID. So it was good and bad. I mean, in some ways, you know, it was good because everything had, was closed. So restaurants right. couldn't open anyway. So right. we were kind of like, well, if we were to open now, Wouldn't we would be, be open no anyway. Right. Yeah, right. So, so, so part of it, it was okay. I mean, we were like right in the heart of COVID, you know. But the one thing that did happen, um, especially towards the end, it was hard to get equipment in. So the whole really? supply chain issue, yeah, man. I mean, we ordered this. We had a custom cooler we had to make, had to fit in the back. They told us 20 weeks, right? 20 And weeks? you hear 20 Five weeks. Months. Right. That's why, I said, that's why I said 15 minutes. Right, exactly, <laughs> right. Exactly. So five months sounds worse than 20 weeks, though. Right, <laughs> to me, yeah, it does, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Good point, good point. And so you're like, wait, five months to get the right. cooler? So you start thinking about all the stuff, and you can't do this until you have this, and this, right. this, and this, and you order stuff, and it's just taking a long time. So, I mean, honestly, like, we were delayed probably a couple months, but it wasn't too bad because we were doing it literally in the middle of the pandemic. I think most of the restrictions ended, like, let's say in December. We opened up in April. That's so we great. got through the winter. So it was actually the kind of like perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. Now we came, we had pulled up. Um, we were just rolling down the road. We were headed somewhere else actually. Mm -hmm. And the door was open. And I was like, oh man, let's swing in there real quick. And we hopped out, walked in, and it was. It was just like boards. Like you lot, couldn't lot even really drywall. see that it was going to be this. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you yeah. couldn't really see it just yet. Um, but yeah, I, def I definitely remember. It. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I mean, we put a lot into it. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, everything in here is very intentional. Mm. Um, I think partly because we had time and our architects, um, <laughs> they call it Future Firm, uh, friends of mine who also did the, the Silver Room, uh, redo the Silver Room, we went over everything. Like, to me, I start with the space about the feeling, right? That's kind of yeah. how I start. Like, how do you want to feel? And you want to feel, you know, comfortable. You want to be a little bit elevated, but not too elevated where it's snooty. People don't, don't feel comfortable. But you want to feel, you know what I mean? So I, I can't think about all these different things mm -hmm. like color palettes, the sound design, uh, the furniture. I mean, all these things. So I kind of start there and kind of work backwards. Um, my man Norman Teague made the furniture. My, my girl, Norm, my yeah. girl uh, Crystal Franklin did the artwork. Teague. My friend Lucy Slavinsky did the lighting Light fixtures. Yeah. My man Ron Trent did the sound. So a lot of the, the people in here were friends of mine I worked with before. So they kind of understood what, what the aesthetic is supposed to be. So... Um, it should, you know, it should feel like a home, but a little bit more than your home. Yeah, it should feel comfortable. Like, you, feel definitely, comfortable. you shouldn't feel like you're necessarily... I mean, I, when I came, I think, you know, most people get dressed up. You know what I'm saying? Most people was pretty fly. You know what I mean? It wasn't like people was coming in in sweatpants and hoodies. No, you know no, what I mean? No, like no. that. Um, but you still want to feel comfortable. You want to feel like you can pull up, have a seat, and not necessarily have to be in, like, your whole, you know, chest, shoulders, back type mm -hmm. of situation. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I never... You know, we never had this... Dress code. Whenever I've ever did anything, I never have a dress mm -hmm. code. I feel like if you set the vibe, people will dress accordingly. Right. right. You know what I mean? So everything from the music to the way the place looks. You know, I, I had people come in here and be like, oh, man, I should have dressed up. Boy, right. We didn't tell them that. Right. But the set of certain way, they're like, okay, when I come next time, I'm going to kind of maybe do a little bit more elevated. But if you want to come in sweats, you know, you can do that too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The flip side, though, have you ever had somebody come in and kind of push the boundaries of what you kind of don't want to see? Because some things just aren't appropriate. I mean, I, let's keep it let's keep it above. I mean, and we are on 43rd. And one time, though, because I say it's because uh, a restaurant in Houston, people tend to love. And I'm not just, talking I'm about not, yeah. you right there, you go. Yeah. I'm going to try to give them big, big love. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But they had an issue lately with their dress code, and people just been bucking the system. Like, one lady ran through their naked because they, they I mean, had a third portion of the dress problems. code of being appropriate because kids were in there eating. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have people come here and try to push the boundaries? Nah. I mean, Good. I've had, you know, I've done stuff, you know, 30 years of doing this. I've never had dress codes. And I years. think because if you, again, you, you, you set the stage of what you're doing from the music, from the ambiance to the staff, you set that, people kind of get what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. for the most part. And people who would do that, when they come in, they would be they like, a lot of place. this ain't the right place for me to do that. Right. Good. So Good. I've, I've never, I never had an issue with that. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Now I do have one question though. What, what's the thing about being closed on Monday and Tuesday? Uh, it's a great question. And in the restaurant industry, man, it's a lot of work. Okay. Yeah. One. And so, you know, especially right now, it's hard to find staff. And you working hard, and McKinney knows, you working hard, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they, people need these days off. Yeah. Yeah. The rules, yeah. the rules I mean, for prep alone are like 24-hour sets. It's a, like, it's a lot of work. Where your food stores, how long it stores, when you can get your shipments in, all of that is like, some of that stuff is regulated. Like, there's law specific. I just got my... They made us get a, a food service uh, yeah, yeah, basket yeah, for yeah. the school that, or whatever. Yeah. So you have to you have to take a test that says exactly where you're going to store your food, at what temperature, for how long. Right. So that that adds four hours to the day, way before the restaurant's even open. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's somebody like, he's here right now doing people, prep people and day. cleaning. Yeah. You know what got I'm it, saying? So if you're open, you're just adding adding to that. And, you know, restaurants on the north side open seven days a week, if you mm-hmm. notice that. I, right? noticed I, that. Because, I noticed that. You know, they have to be, but they but the staffing, they can find staff. True. You know, a big issue this last year was just trying to find personnel. You, you know that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, people people got that PPP money. They yeah. got, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got unemployment. People weren't trying to work. <laughs> they were So it was really trying, it was hard to find staff. I mean, now it's a lot better, but Man, you know, and that's, it wasn't just everybody was having a hard time finding staff. Because, yeah, in an ideal world, we probably would be open seven days a week, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, you know, if we could staff it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the costs, you have a fixed cost. Like your rent is spread out throughout, you know, the month. So the more you open, the more you're going to you know, make. Because mm-hmm. now it's kind of two wasted days that you have closed. Yeah. So in an ideal world, you probably would be open seven days a week. But right now, we want to give everybody, you know, folks a little break. Mm-hmm. Now, so, by you being this, this entrepreneur, this trendsetter, um, did you have any reservations at all about location when you, when you opened it up? No, actually, I, this is why I did it. To be honest with you, because okay. I used to live down the street. I was I was on 39th and Cottage Grove, and so um, where 39th and Cottage, right by the park, yeah, by, yeah, by I Oakwood. Feel bad for your gear, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a nice neighborhood. Right, <laughs> so when I moved my store to Silver Room, when I moved from the North Side and Wicker Park to Hyde Park. Even me, I'm I'm from Robbins. You know, I say you know, and damn, you up taking L. <laughs> Jesus, so you're taking all the living L's. But I left, you know, I left the South Side when I was, you know, 18. I moved to the North Side for the most part. You take for granted all the restaurants, all the arts and culture you have. You for just sure. you just have it. Right. And the South Side is like, man, you know. And we say, I'm going out. I'm going to do something nice. I'm going downtown. downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, we just take that for granted. That means I'm going somewhere nice. You know, right. and I'm like, man, why can't we have something nice in our own neighborhood? You know, mm-hmm. and so. I knew a lot of people that lived in, in Bronzeville, you know, that lived in High Park, Kenwood, in the immediate area. I'm like, a lot of my friends live around here. And we all go and spend the money in West Loop or downtown. Right. Got it. Why can't we spend the money here? So this space came available and I knew the developers and we kind of worked with them on some, you know, some ways to kind of get it done. And so no, I I, I never had any reservations. Cause this the space to me wasn't about the outside, the dollar store or the empty lots. It was about the physical location of the space and the proximity to the community. That was really more the issue. Aesthetically, because I know, because in Wicker Park, I saw it change too. Those empty lots are going to be gone. Yeah, some. In yeah. some years. Yeah. You know, some, yeah. There's going to be some condos there or yeah. the other restaurants, something else. Yeah. So it's really more so about what happens inside. So. Yeah, got it. 
That's, I mean, do you consider that too? Do you look at like the long-term plan of it, right? It's like, okay, so when that does happen, like you said, we know it's happening. It's not even mm-hmm. a if, it's just a when. Right. Do you consider that like, so that's going to change the community, right? Like the, the having access mm-hmm. to it right now, it is available to the community. That's going to obviously alter who the community is. Does that factor into like your long-term plan for the space? Like does that change, I don't know, does that change any of your like, goals around the space if the community does start to kind of flip? No, actually, actually that's part of the point, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yes, this is a space that I want to be successful, you know, not just for, for me and my, my partner and, you know, and for the staff, but for the community. And so for me, success actually would mean that this helped to spawn an idea. Somebody said, oh, man, this place is jumping, man, man. Now they're thinking like, well, shit, if this is working, I can build something down the street. And now they got something down the gotcha. street. And now something else is happening. So then 10 years from now, Cottage Grove is jumping. Oh right. man, remember Cottage Grove used to be X, Y, and Z. We yeah, hear all these stories. Yeah, remember oh, yeah. when this used to I be X, Y, and Z? Remember this used to be X, <laughs> Y, and Z? Right. So now we can say we were part of the renaissance. Oh man, y'all mm. was the first ones over here did this. Now, 10 years later, there's 10 restaurants. This is like Randolph, Black Randolph dope. Street. That's dope. That yeah. to me is the ultimate goal. So That's it's not, you know, because everybody can, can flourish. I mean, this neighborhood can take 10, 15 restaurants. Yeah. You know, that kind of answered you know? my, my next curiosity uh, point. But not completely. Like, how do you keep that? Things change. Like you said, things will change. Development changes. Cultures change within communities at the same time. Mm. How do you keep the idea of entrepreneurship and circulating uh, this idea and this dollar that we have uh, sexy to the younger generations? Hmm. You know, I mean, it's funny. I'm 53 now, right? So I started the Silver Room. I was 27. And you don't think about like, your age, right? You know, when you're 27, you coming at it from the mind of a 27-year-old. Right. Now I'm older than most of my employees. So I try and think of it in different segments of, of, of generations. You know, I don't try and be somebody I'm not. I don't, we were talking about the music earlier. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't know certain things now. I'm okay saying that. We are you know not I mean? munching, yeah. okay? We're you know not what I'm <laughs> So for me, I'll try and maybe think in like a range. It's okay. I'm 53 years old. I probably can understand things from 35 to 60 for the most part, right? So that's kind of like the range I, I can think of. But I got to find somebody else who's much younger than me who's gonna tap who into can understand the, the 25 to 35. So you can't do everything, but you also don't want to try and appeal to everybody either. You right. know, you want to just do what makes sense and, and, and be authentic. So from the music I play to people we have spin to whatever I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Mm. And I think, you know, those things will cater to a certain kind of person you have a young person might come in here who might be 22, might be like, oh, this is dope. But maybe this isn't the place necessarily that is catering to that younger crowd. That's okay. No, that's you know what I mean? Okay. So, you know, that's kind of look at. Get away from me. I don't want to be around no 22 years. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. No, that's terrible. It's just that, you know, you, again, you can't be everything to everybody. Right, so right, I, yeah. I'm going to do what I know, and then hopefully it caters to a wide range of people. You for, know? Sure, yeah. for sure, for um, sure. You know what? Last episode, I forgot to do this, and I got to apologize to our audience. Um, I want to thank everybody that came out to our live oh, show at Promontory, man. Yeah, um, big facts. Pew, pew, pew. Big facts. That's what Mario did. No stage. I super apologize for that. Y'all came out, uh, bought tables, bought the VIPs. Showed uh, up, showed out. Know, showed up, showed out, drank a lot. And, and I hope y'all enjoyed the show. Yeah, and big shout out to Tequila Tales, man. Isaac Paul, Casey Alana, man. That was... 
that was just a dope, you know, combination yeah. of people. Um, I saw Isaac's recap where he just talked about like how easy it was for us to collaborate like that. And you know, you you've definitely, you know, even when we start talking about Silver and Block Party, it's not always easy to collaborate with another group of people on an event, on a, on a anything really. On a short notice. Too. Um, and yeah, with very little time really to kind of um, what do you call it, tighten the nuts and bolts type of thing. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great experience, man. Working with them, um, event definitely it was a, it was a strong impact. That's for sure. Yeah, so that won't be the last. That was Q one. Uh, so we're working on something special for Q two. Let's be clear. Uh, so y'all just make sure y'all get them tickets again. So we love y'all for real, for real. Uh, let's see. Oh, also I gotta give a shout out to a friend of the show, Dion Dawson. Uh, from Dion Chicago D Dream. D you know Dion? Dion yes. My boy. You yeah. know Dion from Chicago Dream? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so Dion was just, uh, <laughs> he was just awarded the Martin Luther King Legacy Award for all the work that he's doing in the community, man. Uh, so super, that super, was super cool, man. Watch, super uh, shout out to him. Watch Herbo Surprise Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that, that was super cool, man. You know, that, was, yeah. that was really, really G dope. G Herbo. Yeah. So he, so Herbo, so Dion started uh, the food, um, Refrigerators in Inglewood. So he mm -hmm. he got a contract with like Mariano's and stuff like that. And he no. stocks refrigerators around Inglewood. Fresh and people get not just with, go, not yeah. with the away food. Yeah, yeah, no, fresh no, like fresh stuff. food. Yeah, I heard fresh. about okay. And so yeah, people go it. and he just okay. fills these fridges, right? I heard um, about that. He got a lot of support. Really uh, he was on Ellen's show a couple of times. And mm -hmm. so then last year, towards the end of last year, G Herbo um and him collaborated on a particular like feed a hundred thousand families type of mission or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, Herbo, they were doing a concert at the United Center and they brought Dion out and kind of nice, gave him nice. the award at okay. that spot. Yeah, Dion's dope people. Really quickly though, I had had a few cocktails and I saw uh, that clip about him getting the award, right? So my mind goes all kinds of places. I'm saying, you know, which, which uh, personality or identity, which part of Martin Luther King did Dion Dawson in body, man? Body? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> really funny because you know, he's high energy. Super yeah. high energy. He's got a, a hell of backstory. He can talk. He just on TED Talk at Wrigley Field, if I'm not mistaken. He did. You know what I'm saying? He's a hell of a he talker, so it, just, it made me laugh to think about, hey, man, this motherfucker is the real life Martin Luther King. It's <laughs> <laughs> all about real life. He's the real life Martin Luther King. You know what I'm saying? Hey. everything Martin Luther King had that made him appealing to the masses. No, he, for sure. Energetic, for sure. Uh, poetic. Who that rhyme? I was saying his passion. I see yeah, his passion. He's a passionate brother. You can't, I mean, when you get to, when he gets to talking, particularly about that particular, like, organization, it's, yeah. it's, it's skyrocket. He can't, cool, he won't cool. slow down. Good. No, really dope yeah. brother. Uh, I gotta, I gotta bring this up. I need, I just need y'all opinion on this. I thought this is the dumbest shit in the world, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it anyway. Um, <laughs> Walt Disney is replacing the hundred dollar bill for one year, for one year, and putting Walt Disney's face on hundred dollar bills. Why? Okay, there are so many important black people who who can't get a coin. Well, he first of all, first of all, the reason why is because it's the hundred year anniversary of Disney. So what? Hmm. So, so America says the hundred year <laughs> exactly. anniversary of Disney. It's important. We're gonna put this man's face on a hundred dollar bill. That's that's the reason why they're doing it. Um, yeah, you you sound like you hadn't even heard I about this. Heard about right? this. <laughs> so, so when people come give you hundreds, don't think it's bullshit. Right, it's, right. It's oh, no, they, they yeah. definitely finna uh, finna scam that. Finna finna <laughs> scam. Are already like, yeah, buddy, yeah. Mom, we gone. Of course, my, Disney nigga got the right. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my immediate response was whatever happened to Harriet on the twenty. Like that just never, never happened. Right. You know no. what I'm saying? Well, you know, people have you know people have problems with everything. I mean, Disney. I know he was problematic. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, anti-Semitic. I believe. Oh yeah, racist. You know, right. Sexist issues. for sure. Hell, he didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. little black crows. Jim Crow. Yeah. 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 Are you yeah, fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I see so, what you did there. He, he did though. But yeah. check this out though. This is my thing. I've had to choose a character. To be on, on this $100 bill, it would definitely be goofy because idea is goofy as hell, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Super goofy. It would definitely be goofy, though. Yeah, yeah I, I thought I that was pretty weird. 
Uh, did y'all get hit with this Bank of America bullshit when they were stealing money from everybody? Like, no, like, I didn't hear about that. It's about a week ago. Everybody it's a scam, accounts, right? Yeah, everybody accounts came up short. Everybody. <laughs> some people need some five, twenty thousand, thirteen hundred. They have no answers. They call the bank and the bank says, "Sorry, go to your your branch." They go to the branch. No one has any answers for them for a week. Really, these people are out of money. Really, and they, they try to blame it on uh, Zell. Zell's like, "No, our systems are in place. This is on you." So, yeah, we don't know. It's, it's they, not they rectified. Still they still haven't gotten their money back. That's ill. Right about that so either. what about the people that were already in the negative? They ain't put money in that shit. You know, hey, the people that were already negative, they didn't even worry about shit, did they? You can't overdraft me anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you probably probably <laughs> don't even know you got hacked because you ain't been checking that account. I mean, think, think about it, man. You only have $1,300 in your account, $900 in your account, and six, $700 of it is gone. Yeah, that could, that could have tough. real impact on people's that's lives. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I did. I feel like I heard something about Bank of America, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, no, Bank, Bank of America's trash. I used to pay child support through Bank of America. That's how we made our transactions. Uh, for me being a father, financially, let me tell you something. That is unquestionably. Next to TFC or TCF, whatever the name of that old bank was. TCF, the one that was in Jules. Right. Terrible. Bank of America is definitely second. Mm. Absolutely really? second, bro. <laughs> I don't, I've never used Bank of America. You got Usain yeah. Bolt. Jonathan Swain tells an interesting story though, and it's true. I found this out. I was reading a book called um uh oh man, Creating Black Wealth or What Happened to Black Wealth. And you find out that Bank of America um was one of the key businesses that actually bought out black owned banks at a certain period, particularly like the one that was in Chicago, the Seaway, whatever. Mm -hmm. That group, that organization, it was something, but that Bank of America originally was a French bank. It was originally a bank founded in France, um, and they changed the name as some type of deal with, you know, when they were doing some treaty or something to that effect. I get it. I get Random it. historic facts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> something else that I have a problem with. Why is the All-Star game in Utah? Big facts. Who wants to go to Utah? We already talked about that. Uh, we didn't. I mean, we every mean. NBA city gets an opportunity but to not, host But no, Utah should never get one. <laughs> Ever. But you got to get Utah. You can't drink there, right? You, you can't. You no, you can't. You got to have a car and go to the yeah, bars. Everything closes oh, okay, at like yeah. 1 o'clock. You know what I mean? It's obviously racist. It's um, obviously just racist. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I've driven through Utah recently, yeah, actually. Yeah, I we had to play Utah in Utah in a tournament. It was terrible. Yeah. In yeah. the tournament, we there with college kids. We there to play a game. Now, granted, we can't get to the bar anyway. But you know, we kids, we do shit, we sneak and do our own thing. Yeah. We I, couldn't get nothing. We couldn't even get dirt. We couldn't get anything. We couldn't get regular. We couldn't even get sparkling water. It's <laughs> like, bro, y'all better go get them founds or whatever. I've never, uh, never hung out in Utah. But I remember Daryl Dawkins was like, they traded him from, was it New Jersey to Utah before he got to Philadelphia? And he was like, man, y'all can take some of this money back. Get me the fuck out of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> anything. <laughs> get me out of here. Patrick Beverly was in Utah for two weeks. What's yeah, his name? Gone. Just left too. <laughs> Uh, uh, Donovan, Mitchell? Um, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was happy. I mean, I've never seen anybody any happier to go from one born state to another born state. He to, went from to Cleveland, Utah to Cleveland. Right? <laughs> How Cleveland bad was Utah? Cleveland be? is better than Utah. Oh, I disagree. Well, I don't know. I've never been what? to Utah. I've been to Cleveland. It I did not be. enjoy Cleveland. It has <laughs> to be. That's what. Um, what's old boy? Um, uh, was it Noah? Who was talking about Cleveland? Joe Kim Noah? Yeah, Joe yeah. Kim Noah. Yeah. Like, who's like, who would say they want to go to Cleveland? Yeah, exactly. that's true. I did. Exactly. But no one wants to go to Utah. Yeah, I guess not. Like, okay. I mean, Kenday Doppelganger they, is this house. They, they house <laughs> Carl Malone. Bone. They, they house Carl Malone for his entire career, who was probably the nastiest yeah, man bag. on earth as far as <laughs> taking care of his children. Um, he raped kids had babies with them and they buried all that shit. God. Yeah, yeah. it was bad. See, I heard it wasn't true, actually. I was going to say, I don't know. If it's, it's, Lynn, I heard that, that 
That they said that that was actually true. Uh, that's what they're supposed to say. Okay. I mean, I am, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. Oh, man. Let me, let me ask you this. So I'm looking around the room, and I see my girl Tonika there. Mm. Yeah, shout out Tonika Johnson. Yeah, shout yep. out Tonika. Yep, yep, yep. Um, now, you have a partner in the space, too, right? Mm-hmm. She's, is she from Chicago? She is from Chicago, but then she lived in Philadelphia and Miami and New Mexico. She kind of, the last 15 years, she's kind of been all over. Oh, okay. But so she's from here. So. Now, I think I heard you say that you don't drink. I, or, you know, I have, you know, you, every you, now and every then. Every now and again. Yeah. So if I don't know anything about wine, because I don't drink wine, right, what would you su- suggest as an owner or, you know, however that works? But if I, if I come and say, hey, look, I don't drink wine, what direction do you go with? What I would suggest is you talk to our sommelier. Okay. <laughs> Derek C. Westbrook. Derek, what up, Derek? Because uh, Derek can point you in the right direction. But okay. yeah, man, I, you know, personally, you know, Red, that's funny. I think we've been open for, well, we've been open for nine months. I think I've had nine glasses of wine. Really? Yeah, average about a glass you, of wine. Okay. Well, okay. Well, the true uh, answer, yeah, and I did. You do talk to Derek for sure. The, the uh, sommelier from around the way, as he goes, uh, right. he's black sommelier, which is rare in that, in that industry. But he, uh, what you do is you get the flights. That's really the first thing you do is you. And actually, when we yeah. came, the server was excellent. She first thing she asks is, "What type of palate? Are you looking for sweet wines? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for you know um, um, high uh, tan wine with higher tannins? Or, yeah, 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 fruit. Yeah. So you start there, and then they'll recommend a flight, and you get to taste small okay. amounts okay. of different stuff until you kind of find your vibe. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Then it's like, all right, now you know I like a cabernet. Now I yeah. know I like. Now if a I don't like noir. any of that shit, then I can just say, hey, give me a Long Island. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah. some drinks too. Okay. Yeah, we got. Um, it's a full bar. Uh, Forgot. Oh, some custom drinks. Drink. Okay. Yeah, we got was a not Hennessy. I, um, I saw Uncle Nearest when I first walked Uncle Nearest. Yeah. People love the Uncle Nearest yes. drink. Yes. They love that's, that's like a number one drink. Black owned. Yeah. 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 yeah, black owned. Yeah. 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 That's a great story. On the south side. You know yeah. the story, Uncle Nearest. Yeah. 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 I heard about yeah. it. Yeah. I heard about Never it. heard of it before. Yeah, he was a he was a slave person who taught Jack Daniels how to make. Oh, whiskey. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so now the family actually owns the recipe and we carry it here. It's called Uncle Nearest. Great, but people love it. So even talk about that, man. I mean, this is a this is a. Pretty extreme, I shouldn't say extreme, but it's a definite different pivot from what you're known for, right? You're known mm-hmm. for fashion, you're known for design, you're known for, um, you know, music and being in the creative space like that. How do you, I mean, how do you, what, what, what's the, what's the um, impetus to go, you know what? Impetus. Restaurant. I mean, it, to me, it's all the same. Hmm. You know what I mean? So Christmas. it's really about bringing people together. So in the silver room, I say I would do it through, you know, objects. You know, sunglasses, jewelry, T-shirts. You come into the space, you make a purchase, you feel the energy, you feel the vibe from that. You know, that's that space. Here, it's a little different, but it's still the energy of the space. You come here, now you're eating, you're drinking. and But it's also about design aesthetic, about sound, about all the other stuff. So to me, they're, they're kind of the same. So it wasn't really, it wasn't like an extreme pivot for you? No, just... I mean, just the operation, as you know, you work at right. restaurants. The, the operation of it is different. And I was just saying the other day, so, so here, here's the main difference between retail and hospitality, right? So in, in a retail space, you don't make the commitment until after, right? Meaning you come into a retail space, the vibe might be good, you look around, you see a watch, you see a player earrings, you see blah, 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 blah. You say, okay, I'm going to get this t-shirt. You make the t-shirt, you make the purchase, and then you leave. So, so for the most part, you're satisfied with your purchase because you made a purchase. Right. Right? So even if you didn't buy anything, you can still have a good experience. Right. That was a dope store, blah, 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 blah. The restaurant is a different kind of challenge because once you step through the door, you made the commitment. You made the before commitment. Before you've right. actually got anything. Right. You see right. what I'm saying? Gotcha. So once you made the door, you got to sit down. You've committed. 
already. Mm-hmm. Now everything has to be on point. So, yeah. so your level of expectations is higher because mm-hmm. the food got to be good, the service got to be good, the lighting got to be good, music got to be good, blah, 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 blah. And then you pay after that. Mm. So that's why it's a little bit, of, it's, it's more challenging here because the person's commitment is when they walk through the door. That brings up that conversation a little bit too, like this phrase, right? The customer is always right. <laughs> not at all. Which I say no. You say no. No, not at all. You come in with the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nah. gonna bring it up next. You know what I'm saying? I, well, go ahead, Bussy. Well, I was just gonna say, uh, <clears throat> from retail to restaurant or fashion to hospitality, customers come with a different set of complaints and expectations and entitlement. So let's leave retail alone. Being here at the, uh, the Bronzeville Winery, what are some of the common? Uh, fuck all that. The customer is always right, goddamn. Always right, man. It's you know? not about anybody being right. It's about a, a give and take. So for me, I want to say I'm going to provide you with a beautiful space. This is this is my goal: a beautiful space, great service, great food, great wine, good music, ambiance. Da 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 da. Right. So I'm going to give you that. In exchange for that, you're going to pay a certain amount of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay 50 bucks, whatever it is, per person to get that experience. So I want to uh, hold up my end of the bargain. Okay. Right? I want you to hold up your end of the bargain. Now, part of that bargain is about respect. It's about listening. If there is something that goes wrong, how can we fix it? Blah, 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 blah. So it's, to me, I don't see it about being right or being wrong. You're going to make mistakes in any business, of course. So if there's a mistake or something that's not right, how can I make this better for you? So that's how I see it. It's not about being right or right, wrong. Right. You know, it's, I, it's, it's more nuanced than that. That's, that's definitely yeah. true. But I think that statement is enhanced upon, you know, things that are constants, like light. Which mm-hmm. Somebody complains about light, get the fuck out of my restaurant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. But it's blaring me all in my face <laughs> and I'm sitting here, but I that, can't. That goes to his, you can't please everybody type exactly. of deal, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. Uh, temperature, you know. You can't have the motherfuckers cold and hot. You can't have it freezing cold. But some, right. some people are going to be upset with the in-between temperature. Or well, still, I may be anemic. I may be thin. I may be fat. You know what I'm saying? But I think it comes down to, in restaurants, because different establishments, like retail, like uh, hospitality, maybe like, I guess restaurants, I mean, uh, hotels are hospitality too. But say, I gave an example earlier. I, you may have hit it on the head, but I don't think you pleaded the thought. Say I ordered my food. And you expect your food a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Now, say the food does get there. In a reasonable amount of time, in a reasonable amount of time, but when they get there, it's not as hot as I would like it. Mm-hmm. Me as a customer, I have the right to say, "Hey, man, take yeah. this back. Don't read it. Give me some new shit." You're correct. Yeah, but yeah. I think, but I also think, I think it's like what Eric is kind of saying is, it's like it's that process. It's like, hey, listen, man, I like you know, I'm I'm tasting the food and my my food is warm, as opposed to man, what the hell is this shit, man? You better take this. You know what I mean? Like That's that changes that changes the interaction, not just. For you, the customer, but other customers, right? It changes yeah. how, you know, that that server is getting yelled at for something they personally did not do. They didn't cook the food. Right. And right. now that gets transferred, that energy moves around. So I definitely hear, I definitely hear your point, like about how you make an agreement to go to a place. No different than if I if, if Abasi invites me to to his house for a birthday dinner. You know what I'm saying? And I show up. I don't show up like, hey man, where my uh where my chair at, man? What you know what I'm saying? Like I don't show up making demands. I show up knowing that I was invited to come in this place and I'm gonna, uh, you know, participate though, by it's I get that it's, it's different because it's not paid for in the same right. way, but I'm saying the same level of respect that I expect to pay oh, your respect. household, respect. I think that same level of respect you expect for hence, people to pay. Henceforth, no twenty two year olds. 
They nah. have, they have, they have, <laughs> I'm cool with They struggle with the respect. Yeah, on the real. I'm, I'm <laughs> cool on that. I, I hate when people try to, try to, and I know what happens, I know what I'm saying happens here. You guys will come here, hopefully you guys are great customers and great patrons, but when people get food, they eat a third of it yeah, and, and be like, oh, like the it. flavor ain't right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You know, they I mean, have wine. Uh, it's we don't get a whole bunch of that, honestly. I mean, okay. it, ha it happens, but I mean, I think it happens at some restaurants. But mm -hmm. again, I think it goes back to you know the intention, expectations. For the most part, people come in here; they're very happy to be here, mm -hmm. and they want us to succeed. And most Good. people understand that that's not a way for people to succeed. Right. So we get honest feedback. Hey, look, if this something wasn't right. They'll say, hey, man, you know, took a little bit long for this, and this could have been different, and we, we value that. You know what I mean? So if you're getting feedback that is honest and true, you say, okay, you know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. and, we, and when you read most reviews, sometimes people send, like, like novels. Yeah. Four page, four page people are like, man, they yeah, put yep. a lot of effort into telling us this, not because they want us to fulfill, they want us to succeed. Mm -hmm. And those kind of, and that kind of feedback, usually they're, they're usually right. You're like, okay, yeah, you know what? They're right. We could have done this. Mm -hmm. So you should listen to that and value that. You Facts. Know? Now, are you on premises every day? Or, or you just um, pop in and pop, no, pop out like a boss? No, no, I mean, I'm here. Usually I try and pop in every day, but not all day, every day. My partner's here a lot more than me. Her name is Cecilia. She's, hey, shout Cecilia. out to Cecilia. She, yeah, she's, hey, uh, yeah. she's the boss. So, so, I mean, for, you know, it, it, was, it was my concept. I brought her in because she's a restaurant person. So she does more of the operational stuff, which is the real, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Running the bar, front of the house, you know, pricing stuff out. You know, like, yeah. man, that, that, that's the grunt work. For me, I was more like, let me kind of, Think of a concept and and then do the marketing side. So that's kind of our, our partnership. I'm waiting on this one on one game. It's like you gotta have a battle. I, I asked Kendra this earlier because I used to get confused. I'm not a high park oh. guy, you know, so I don't really know a lot of things behind park. So when they would be talking about Eric Williams, I'll be thinking about the other Eric Williams. From virtue, you know, the virtue. I didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah. y'all gotta have a one on one game like eleven or something. Y'all gotta have an old school jousting duel. Who gets to keep the name? To, 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 who gets the name? <laughs> I talked to him. Well, first of all, that's my guy, man. Uh, Eric actually was one of the first people I called when I thought about this. Of course, yeah. So what do you think about this? And he gave me his feedback. But he's, dude, I'm like, where do you get the refrigerator from? What do you think about this? <laughs> right. How much this cost? And then right. he's always like, man. So he's been like the biggest, biggest, biggest. How often have y'all been confused with each other besides me? Oh, all the time. All the time. It's funny. I actually sent him a message one day. I said, if I got, um, how did I say? Oh, I said, I can't imagine how many thank yous, emails, <laughs> calls you got for, me. For, your, for, for my James Beard Award. Right. That was actually your James oh, Beard right, Award. Right, right, right. I can't, I can't cook, man. So yeah, people yeah, confuse yeah. us. And we then gave we, him black excellence for that. And then we black. I mean, we don't look the same. He's about four inches taller than yeah, me. He's yeah. a little bit heavier, you yeah. know, but we black and got a beard. This is on the same block. Same like block. 53rd you know. Street. Yeah, but good, good, good thing is he has a K on his name. That's the main difference. Exactly. E-R-I-C-K. But exactly. Eric, is, that's, my, that's my guy. He's awesome, Yeah, he's a good dude. Let's uh, let, let's dive a little bit into your history because I want to mm -hmm. I, I want to also then fast forward to uh, Silver Room Block Party. But on the show, you know, when we have guests such as yourself, I gotta know what high school you went to because that's like the badge of honor. Where where do you go to high school? So as I said, actually, I'm not from the city. Okay. I was born in Harvey, Illinois. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. it, it gets worse. It gets worse. Ingles Memorial Hospital. Ingles. Shout out to Ingles. Ingles. Wow. Ingles Memorial Hospital. I was raised in uh, Robbins. It's a little small town south of Chicago. We, 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 yeah. call, we call it Chicago. So I was. I went to school called uh, Allen B. Shepherd. So I was supposed I to go to Richards, which is where okay. Dwayne Wayne went. Right. Right. Uh, but we were a block from the street that we had to be bused to Richards or Eisenhower. Oh wow. So we went to a school in 
Palos Heights called Shepherd. So it was okay. a, a white school. Like orange and white, the colors, right? Orange or something? Orange or brown. Yeah, there you go. The Astros. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah. What yeah. was your high school, like, uh, curriculums and activities? Like, what high was school you? was whack. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. Did you play ball? Did you, were you I a theater club? Band, like, what was... When he say, business is the way. <laughs> right. I actually was uh, pretty fast. I ran the, the 800 relay, the, the mile relay. Uh, I was, we, we, I think we went down with the regionals. We, we were pretty good. Okay. Um, I did that, and I uh, played Basketball, I wasn't that good at basketball. I mean, I was okay, but I wasn't. You know, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah and, I can um, see that. And basically, you know, it's funny. So I was talking about baseball. Back in the day, black folks played baseball. For sure. I, I feel like baseball now has not. It's become a sport that black people don't really look at. No, yeah, it's but, not. It's but, not marketed the same. Really right, but growing people. up, I mean, you know, we we played baseball. Oh yeah, I love you know it. Oh yeah, yeah, I was you know, a big baseball guy. Yeah, no salary yeah. cap, way more. Every, you know spots, what it was? Please. Everybody knew how to play baseball. Whereas, like basketball, you people wouldn't play if you weren't good. You know yeah, what I mean? So it's like it. yeah. anybody would play baseball. If you whether you were fast, whether you you know you you felt like you were good at something in baseball, yeah. so everybody would That's play. But yeah, you're right, man. When you see kids, I mean, one you don't see kids playing outside nearly as much as you used to. Yeah. But when you see them, they're not going to like grab a bat and a ball no. to go. And to in, go and play. in Robbins, we had a small fry team, and you know we didn't have a ton of money. But I remember. I don't know how somebody sponsored us, and we had uniforms. We didn't know we had bats. I remember, Shout out whoever you were. But I remember uh, the other team was from Phoenix. I don't know if you know Phoenix is like Harvey, Dalton, and, you know. Yeah, that's a little town too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Midlothian. Midlothian, yeah. <laughs> but I remember they were poorer than we were, so <laughs> so I never get this. So my mom, you know, we had all you know, got money to get some some, some mitts. You know, back then, oh, a glove, a mitt cost whatever. 75, Right, that's a lot of yeah. money, right. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the other team didn't have mitts. So when they came on the field, we had to give them Switch the team. Switch on the tray. I had to, yeah. That's crazy. You was so mad. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not you getting my mitts. You know, no. The man but, probably been digging his booty in his nose. Right. He put his hand in my goddamn mitt. <laughs> so we had to give my mitts. I remember some people, they wouldn't That's have to give my That's good community, though, right there. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 it's for the kids. for the kids. for the kids. I'm not with that. That's yeah. it. So, so, so again, I mean, I guess trailing back. So then you come out and college in Illinois, Chicago? I At 18, I went to Northern Illinois and DeKalb. Shout out to the Huskies. Let's go. That, that, man. Man. that was even more whack. <laughs> man, DeKalb was fucking whack. Man. This is a I hate this, it, this, man. this trajectory is tripping me out. Especially because so, I can wait till it where it ends. So, <laughs> so, so, so uh, what happened was, so I never forget. So um, they had a scholarship. They said if, if anybody studies finance, if you're a black person studying, I'm sorry, business, you, know, you can go for free. And my sister went to Northern. Because I didn't know. I didn't really know. My mom taught CPS right. for shout 40 out. years. Shout out. Shout so out. I'm clapping she, up. Yeah. She My taught public school on the south side. You know what I mean? So back then, you could live in the suburbs and teach in the city. I don't think you can now. No. no but back no. then, you could. So she taught in the city. Um, but she's like, you got to go to college. And I didn't, didn't really know. Know what right? I wanted to do. And I, yeah. somehow, I saw this scholarship. And I'm like, I, you know, I had good grades, you know, and I... Majoring in business, so I went to school for free in Northern, and it sucked, man. <laughs> what did, what so, sucked about it? Like, what you know, did you like, like about man. it? The cow sucked. The, the school sucked. The people sucked. I just did not like it. Now, no, mind awesome, you, too. Man. But you stayed off for you. Well, here's the real reason why. Here's the real reason why. I started DJing in, in 84. I got caught up in house music. I mean, I'm like in the middle of the early 80s. I'm so, oh, you know, it's house, like Deep House, come on. Know, Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, yeah, that yeah, was like yeah, my yeah. idol. You know what I mean? I started going out to the clubs, you know. And so I wanted to bring my 1200s. I bought 1200s in 1984. Now, 1200s cost 
thousand dollars back then. Yeah, back then. Yeah, they never changed price. They so I worked at Taco Bell in Midlothian. I made three thirty-five an hour. I made three thirty-five. That was minimum wage. Look it up. Three thirty-five an hour. I worked and I made up money. So I bought one twelve hundred. My father said, "You buy one, I bought another one for you." I bought twelve hundred. I had two twelve hundreds. This is back in 87. Yeah, 80, no, 80, 85 I had them. That was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, None of my friends had 1200. They had up. them like them. Okay. I still don't have 12. <laughs> Radio Shack turntables <laughs> with the damn twist pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. The belt driven turntables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. should be yep. all fast. Yep. You know, I had direct drive turntables. I was so happy. So I went to Northern. I said, Ma, can I bring my turntables? She's like, No, you can't bring them. You need to study. I was so mad I couldn't bring my turntables. And so the first couple of years, man, I just, I just hated it, man. I, I was coming back to the city to be around the music. I was right. coming back to hear Frankie Knuckles every, every weekend. And I was trying to find rides from DeKalb back to the city, and I wasn't doing well in school. So by year three, I'm like, I'm transferring. So I transferred to UIC. Oh, you so did? I, yeah. Okay. So I, so I could be in the city. So you could be in the city. That's and now, crazy. So now I'm like ingrained in the music. Now I'm, I'm back in the city. And in the summertime, so we'll back up. My sophomore year, I was working Taco Bell, and I met this guy who was a street peddler. And he was my friend's boyfriend. And the longest story is he thought I was trying to hit on his girlfriend, but I wasn't. We, we were just <laughs> friends. Just cool. Right, right, right. Right. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah, we're going to get but, to that. <laughs> so, so, so he wanted to meet me. He goes, man, who this dude you hanging out with? So I wound up meeting the guy, and he had a bunch of stuff. Going to his living room, he had a bunch of like T-shirts and like stuffed animals packed. I'm like, what this guy do? So him and I started talking, and we just hit it off. And next thing you know, me and him talking, and the girl who's my friend, she yeah. was another room. We, we, we <laughs> said talking really about no So, so he was like, "Man, what are you doing for a living?" <laughs> I said, "Man, I work at Taco Bell. I said, How much you make?" I said, "I make three. I was making three fifty at the time. That three fifty now, he goes, "Man, you can make more money selling stuff on the streets." Now, again, this is mid eighties. Yeah, I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I know because yeah. I'm from Harvey Robbins. I know everybody else is selling. He goes, "No, no, no, no. You can sell stuffed animals, flowers that light up, T-shirts, blah blah." blah. I'm like, man, <laughs> at the gas station and on the L. Yeah. No, downtown on, on Rush Street. I'm like, man, and I'm like, he goes, man, you can make money doing that. He had a pocket full of money. I'm like, you made all this money selling? He goes, man, he said, he said, come with me. Never get this. It was called um, the Stop the Violence Tour. It was KRS-One. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I had yeah, the Stop the Violence yeah. concert in, on the west side, in Douglas Park. He goes, man, come out with me, and you can sell some stuff. And I paid 22%. Never get Paid 22% of whatever you sell. Yeah. So he this put me out there. I had some... Shirt said, it said, stop the violence t-shirts. I had some flowers that, you no, know, the battery that lit up. I had some, um, some stuffed animals, so some other stuff. Man. And I had it on this cart. And I was kind of nervous, you know, like, ain't nobody going to buy this shit. Right. You know yeah, what I'm thinking, exactly. you know? Yeah, or somebody going to try to take all this shit. Man, the concert <laughs> ended, and people start walking past. I'm like, looking like a fuck a fool. Right. I'm like, you know, I'm a street, doing the street, you know? People walking past, man, how much does this cost for this stuff down? I'm like, $40. He was like, man, I ain't buying this shit, man, blah. Right. How much some t-shirts? It was $10. Nobody was buying something. This dude walked past, never forget, he with this with this lady. He goes, man, how much of this, this stuffed animal? I'm like, this is 50 for that one. How much some t-shirts? It's 10 How much is them flowers? I'm like, whatever. It came like $100. He goes, baby, you want that? She's like, yeah. He put out not a money. Bam, right. Gave me $100. I was mm. like, motivation. I'm in, right. That was it. I'm yeah, thinking, I'm I just made $20. Yeah. I've yeah. been sitting here for probably a half an hour. I made $20, $22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That half an hour over there, I'll make $1.50. Man, that's right. so, so ill. So I started selling, man. By the, that, by, by the time the show ended, he came and got me. He goes, man, you make some sales? I said, yeah, I pulled out at like $500. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was like, man, he, he hit me off with 100 He gave me 150 He gave me a little bonus, whatever. And I was like... I made $150 selling some fucking t-shirts. And what, four, five hours of work? That yeah. was it, man. Yeah. So then in school, I just started selling t-shirts. I was down in Maxwell Street, and I met guys who had direct plugs to printing. And you know, my friend from Nation Islam got me in there. I was selling t-shirts and sunglasses. Then after school, I was a finance major. 
I did that for about a year, but now it had been three years of me selling stuff. Then I started traveling. I was going down to Freak Nick, selling T-shirts down to Freak Nick. I was going to- That's, all that's, doing? that's a hit. Carolina. That was a hit. Is that all you was doing down there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, <all right> now. <laughs> Dude, I made, I, mean, one, I made about $15,000 in Freak Nick. What? Six, just selling T-shirts, man. I was making a killing. Going to the Jazz Fest, New Orleans. I was doing the black college football circuit at the McDonald's. I was on the train. I was at the Cubs game. I was selling peanuts. Oh, you was hooked, I was hustling tickets. for real. Hooked, man. I yeah, did that for, I did that for, so I did that for seven years. Wow. So that's why I saw I did. And so then I just kind of, after seven years, I'm like, man, okay, I kind of got tired of that. Then I moved to Wicker Park. And I'm like, man, this neighborhood is changing. I, that's, then I met the woman, I met this woman in New Orleans who sold silver. I started buying silver, selling on, on the street, selling rings. No, yeah. earrings. Which is back in style, hardcore now too, by the way. It never went out of style. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but open up a store. But so, so my father's bar is called Manny's Blue Room in Robbins. Yeah. So I was selling silver, so I said, let me call it the silver room. Got it, got it. Got it. No, that's, that's ill, man. Yeah, so yeah, interesting to hear that story. I didn't, some of those pieces I didn't know. Um, the first one is funny is I didn't, I decided not to go to Champagne because the same reason. I was like, I don't want to be out here in these cornfields. Yeah. So I went to UIC because it was right smack downtown. Yeah. And my brother went there. Yeah. Uh, and what we, when we first started doing our, you know, I was DJing, right? I'm trying to mm -hmm. be a DJ. Uh, but we were performing with Q. And we sold our mixtapes for donations. That's how we got paid. Because you weren't getting paid to do shows back in, yeah, in, right. in 2001. When am I paying you? Not you had to charge. You could charge people tickets, but that was... It was, it, was, it was a lot of selling going on if you was going to get people in your show. Yeah, so right. the CDs, the mixtapes, was how we actually were paying ourselves mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, um, we, had, we had a script and everything. Hey, look, look. If you like the music, just give me a donation. Whatever you think is yeah, worth. And, we'll and take it. People, and if we, if we had a price point on it, we wouldn't have got the price point. Yeah, when we they when were we, giving twenty, yep. they give more than what yes, you asked. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. When we were, oh, yeah, when we yeah. were charging five and ten dollars, when we were deciding the price, we sold like fifty percent less. Right. But even more funny is Q. One day, I'm kind of broke, <laughs> and Q's mom is like, uh, "But Billiken Parade is coming." Oh yeah, and yeah, Q calls yeah. me like, "Yo, man, um, you want to make some money, bro? You can come with me and my mom. They sell light up toys and mm -hmm. T-shirts and oh, all yeah. this stuff at the Bud Billiken. I'm just like you. I'm like, man, I'm I'm not finna do that, man. So he's like, man, Joe, you keep 25 percent of whatever you sell. So I come down the street. I'm like, I ain't got no money. I need whatever little need cake I can right. get. Man, like you said, dude, you be surprised at the stuff people buy and how fast they buy it, man. I used to sell um those are lights, you know, for the Fourth of July mm -hmm. downtown. Uh, Man, I used to make thousands of dollars. Yeah, thousands of dollars for those lights downtown. And that's tax, that's tax free. Yeah. 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 Man, you know, glow lights, glow lights. So wait, so, so, three, two, so I'm selling uh, one for three, two for five. So hated, hated high school, hated college. <laughs> How do you end up going to Harvard? <laughs> man, that was year, years later, man. So you know, I think so. Once once I started street pelling. Stop street peddling. I opened the store, but I was super focused because like, I didn't really have a ton of money. Right. And I just got into this this whole idea of this store, man. And you know, and I I realized that the store, that space in general, could be much more than what we think it is. You know, it's you know, yeah, it's a retail store, but also it becomes an art gallery. Mm -hmm. You know, also becomes and I and I put my turntables in my store in '97 because they were those are my turntables. Yeah. So I'd be playing records, you know, and then it became a, my friends was oh, can I come play records? Man, go ahead, you know. So became this space that was more than a retail store. It was like this kind of hangout spot slash cultural space, you know. And then the block party came out of the same thing. I was on the board of Chamber of Commerce in Wicker Park, and there wasn't no black people performing. I'm like, well, we'll just start our own thing. So I started the block party. And again, you know, it was, a, it was 50 people, small. Yeah. It grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So I kind of, you know, because my background was finance and also because I was into music and art, it, it intersected, you know what I mean? Mm. 
So I kind of saw how like that was like my lane was these two things, you know. Um, the Harvard thing came, well, that was you know twenty years later, because you know I didn't even know what the term urban planning meant. So what an urban planner is is somebody who affects the built and natural environment, mm. right? And I didn't, I never really thought about the fact that this space and spaces in general affect communities. So um, somebody I knew was going there, they asked me to come and give a talk about my my background and my history. And I was explaining how the story has an impact on the community and all these things. And I was asked, hey, maybe you should apply for this fellowship at Harvard for these people who are architects and urban planners. I'm like, urban planners? Like, what? I'm not an urban planner. Well, you actually are because you affect communities. Your spaces have an impact on communities. And they kind of explained it to me. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, actually, that's true, you know? And so it was a fellowship. You know, it was 150 applicants. They selected nine people. And I was one of nine they selected. So I got it. I went to Harvard. But you enjoyed that. That you liked. It was the best experience of my life. <laughs> that was the best experience of my life. That was right. the best. They paid me. I, got, I went to MIT, Harvard for free. Take any class you want to take. That's you know, crazy. And then plus two, How long is this program? How long is the fellowship? Year. It's a whole year. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I moved to Cambridge, you know. Yeah. So it was different because, again, fast forward, I'm 40, in my late 40s now. I'm not 19, and my perspective is very different. So mm. I was really serious about the, 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 the opportunity, the school, the classes, the students. As a fellow, you're kind of in between a professor and a student. So you're kind of on campus, kind of like just kind of doing what you want to do, basically. Right. So it was a really, really great experience for me. I would, I would like to rewind a little bit, just a little bit. You, you said something interesting talking about your journey to get to where you are. And while you're on your journey, you said you had your friend and her man thought you were trying to hit on her. They always say in business, your family won't be your best customers. And sometimes your friends will be your best customers. Mm-hmm. Those you don't know, they're not expecting hookups or, you know, deals and things like that, though. But forget all that bullshit. <laughs> Why do you think it's such a prevalent thought process in people, uh, men, and, men and women, but they think men and women can't be friends? You can't have friends of the opposite gender and y'all just be uh, organically friends. You know, I mean, actually, to this day, almost all my friends are women. I shouldn't say almost all. Most of my friends are women okay. to this yeah. day. I just kind of, I have two, I was raised by my grandmother. My mom had two sisters. My father was was there too, but he was working a lot. So I just kind of gravitated towards women in general. So Mm -hmm. I never saw it as, you know, I got to hook up with this chick. You know, it was more so like, oh, she's cool, you know, and... You know, sometimes things happen, sometimes they don't. Mm, right. But for me, it was more so, I just kind of like, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate the honesty. I actually, honestly, I just kind of enjoy women's companies better than men. Yeah. In general. I'm, I don't I'm know not mad at you for that at all, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whether, it's, whether it's intimate or platonic, I, I swear because, I tell, I'm sorry you guys, I tell huh? the young cats I do talk to, I say, man, any girl you date, talk to, now y'all call it hooking up, you know, you should learn something from them because in the end, you can add it to your arsenal and it makes you more of a gentleman. Arsenal. Chivalry. Yeah. You know, it seems like since post-pandemic, there's been gender wars going on all across social media yeah. and everywhere. So I call it an arsenal. Uh, that's a nice term for it, though. Yeah. I was asking because I, I was asking, what do you think? Why do people think? You guys can chime in as well. Why do you, why do you think people feel that if a guy and a girl are friends, they have fucked before, they're going to fuck, or there's some kind of attraction that they just hit the attraction that they're just not acting on. I think it's just an easy, you know, it's like a, um, if I see a 6'5 guy standing next to a basketball in a basketball hoop, I'm going to be like, he's a hooper. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's just an easy, low-hanging fruit right. type of observation. I also think, though, I think in certain circles it's different because I like in like... I think at the Silver Room Circle, the the kind of the Hyde Park Circle, um, 
so many people do really know each other. Mm. So it is a lot harder to discern. I, I think it's easier to just assume that people are just cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in other circles, like, you know, where I was at Maywood, you know, it was like it was like kind of like clear cut boundaries of who you hang out with. So if you saw me with a girl from 24th Street, you knew I wasn't just kicking it with her on a regular. So that must have been something <laughs> like, right. you know, more direct and intentional. So right, I, I right. think it also just kind of depends on where you're seeing it at. Right, right. Now, last year... Uh, you brought Silver Room Block Party to the beach. Mm -hmm. Was that a scary transition? What prompted that? Like, and I wasn't there. I couldn't make it. But and and was it successful in 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 comparison to years prior? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. So the block party, like I said, it started in Wicker Park, which a lot of people don't know. Right. The block I, I party was that. in Wicker Park for. Still, the vast majority of time has been in the north side. Right. For, I think, 17 years, we've done, I think, 11 or 12 have been on the north side. Okay. Only done four or five out here. So it started, again, in response to the lack of uh, inclusion in other north side festivals. It started in the alley next to where I used to live, which was above the original Silver Room. So it was chords coming out of my crib, you know, <laughs> right. no, no generators. Right. Wow. It was no stage. Uh -huh. It was like, like a, it was like a real, 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 in fact, Cool Herc did our second block party. It was like a real block Dope. party. Yeah. Um, and it just kept growing, you know, and it grew and grew and grew and grew from 50 people to 40,000 people in Hyde Park. And mm. the, the problem is, is, you know, when it, the first year it didn't cost me literally anything, then it was like 500 bucks. Okay. I can pay for that, you know. Thousands, five thousand. Okay, I can kind of justify that. Ten thousand, twenty, fifty, hundred. You know what right. I mean? Now I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out ways to pay for this. Right. Because when there was a couple thousand, I could say, well, this is good marketing for my store. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's a hundred thousand, nah, this is taking all that. my stores. So profits. now, so now you got to figure out how to get sponsors, blah blah. Then in, I think the last one in Wicker Park, in High Park was probably damn it, three hundred thousand dollars. Because you got porta potty, security, blah 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 Stages, blah blah blah. Yeah. And the, the and the thing is. In the city of Chicago, you can't technically charge on a city street. So whenever you go to a festival that says donations, mm -hmm. that's the reason why, because you can't charge. Right. It's, it's against the law. So you have to ask for donations, and people don't donate for the most part. Of course not. And so now you got all of this big thing happening, and no one's donating, trying to get sponsors, you know, the, you know, the local folks that necessarily support it. It's like right. you just you, 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 you really can't make money doing it that can't way. Can't sustain, yeah. And so, so when COVID hit, I had two years off. I was like, man, cool. I can just take a break. People and, were mad, too. They were, they were, they were hurt. Well, I'm <laughs> like, hurt, bro. So, yeah, I, like can't, I can't make it happen. <laughs> so, but my thing was like, okay, cool. If y'all want me to bring it back, y'all got to help me out. Yeah. I've been putting this on myself right. for the most part for all these years. Right. If I could put in, you know... Couple hundred thousand, y'all can put in forty, fifty dollars. Yeah. Right. That's how. Yes. That's how I see it. So it really was like, either I do it or I, I do it this way. I don't do it at all. So moving it to the beach was because it's a private, it's a park district land. So you can you can charge on private um, uh, private land. Yeah. So you have to like block everything off and pay for gating and fencing, blah blah. But now you can control that area. You can charge for tickets. Mm -hmm. So that that was kind of the idea. Okay. So to answer your question, I mean. We still had 20, 24,000 people over the two days. It's not bad. The first day was busier than the second day. Uh, we had horrible weather. Yeah, the rain you know, was, was crazy. The worst weather the whole summer was those two days. Yeah, two days. Yep. Um, you know, and some hesitancy at first. Well, why we got to pay, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, I think it was super dope. Yeah. I mean, we did it. We, we set the stage. So I think now this year it's like, okay, now I get it. You know, it's a yeah, festival they, they, now. They, they know what to expect now. Yeah, and it's going to be elevating more so this year. Yeah. So. I'm glad I did it. You know, I don't want to stop doing it. You know, we, we got tickets. We'll be going on sale probably sometime next month, and we'll, we'll be at it again. But I had the great pleasure of working it, right? And so I'm like, what was dope about it is like, <laughs> like that that back area, like the artist area. I think what's super 
I mean, I work festivals all over. What's super unique to Silver Room Block Party is that the artist, I don't know, it doesn't, they don't have that um, Hollywood mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I got to be the most important person. Oh, everybody can't stand near me, talk to me. So like in general, it felt, even from the artist standpoint, it felt very, very community oriented. Like they all felt, I was watching um, uh, the second day when, uh, uh, when Hope, was yeah. there right? He got there. He was he was there at like six seven a.m. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Super early. Him and his right. family and everybody's there. And so it's like he was just mad excited to be there. He he never left. Never went back to the hotel. He stayed there the whole day until he performed. Right. Um. So yeah, I think I do think that it's it's um uh, in terms of festivals in general, but especially here in Chicago, it's to me it's still one of the most unique um festivals in the sense of the community. Not just the artistic side, but like the way people actually treat each other at this festival, the way people approach each other. You got a lot of Palooza, man. It's it just feels a like bunch friends of and family because you're gonna see people that you maybe haven't seen in four or five man, years. Former teachers. Or, or that like, you don't talk yeah. to on a regular basis. Yeah, like yeah, it, 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 yeah, it really feels like, yeah. okay, this is the barbecue. Feel, this is the barbecue. It still feels like yeah. a block party, is well, what I'm know, trying to say. Like, even though it's on this big giant plot of land, it still feels like a block party. And I think that was a challenge because, you know, just. The the actual physical space was much was very different. And people are like, well, I liked it on the block. I'm like, well, understand the way you saw it two three years ago would never happen this year Things because change. it would have been twice as many people. Yeah, and it was it packed be before. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't be imagine it's a, it's a it's a actually yeah. a safety issue. Yeah, there's no way you can pack that many people into that nah. street. No, nah. I, I, I'm not gonna put myself in that kind of you know, right. way of liability. Right. Yep. right. So the idea of doing it there was not it wasn't gonna happen. Right. So it's like, okay, how do you translate? some of that energy of being on an urban block to a beach. And yeah, you can't do 100% of it, but you can do some of it. But also, yeah, it's a little bit different now. Mm -hmm. It is different. So yeah. people are like, it's different. Yeah, everything changes. Yeah. You know, people say, well, it's, it ain't what it used to be. Well, nigga, you ain't what you, you used to be. Right. You, you, know what you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So that shit. you got to like, but you got to, but that isn't a bad thing though. No, yeah, you, you know have to saying? accept and embrace change. People man. have ideas of what, of how things used to be all the time. I, I never yeah. been that, I'm like, I, Okay, we, we're in here. They broke their comfort zone. Right. right. What, what used to be is gone. That was the 80s. That was the 90s. This, now we let's focus on the now. So you have to retrain people's mind to like have the memory of Good luck. what's happening right now. And that takes time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the first one was like, okay, cool, we reset. The reset. Like the first years of Hyde Park, Wicker Park was something that happened. Moved to Hyde Park, that reset. Moved to the beach, now it's reset. Now it just kind of just goes up from here. So um, that's that's kind of how I see it. It's dope, man. Yeah. Now from a from a business standpoint, a lot of people, again, I had this conversation the other day. Um, in reference to sponsorships, can you just give people an insight on what sponsorship looks like? Because a lot of people don't understand that big box companies, right, and even mom and pops and, and mid-tier, they have to spend this money a lot of times. They right? have budgets They for, have budgets for, like, for it, right? Engagement. Can you more, just yeah. give a, a jewel on how to even get a sponsor? Right, and you hear a lot of people say, we should get sponsors. Okay, well, first of all, it ain't that easy, number one. No. It's not. Yeah, people would say- oh, There's got to be some value for them to give you. Exactly. Money. So exactly. you have to show them, number one, it's metrics. So you, I mean, you have to have a, a deck, which means pitch, you have to have a deck that deck. shows the, the um, a quantitative and the qualitative aspects of the block party. Here's the story. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we're doing. Here are the people that are coming. They're, you know, 15% are 18 of this and 25% of this and mm -hmm. this, this and this, the metrics. Then you got to show- Where do the, you get that information? How do you know your, your well, demographic, you know, Well, the first year, the years we did it before, we actually hired a company that did it. And a lot of it is, you know, is guesstimation. Yeah, like, yeah. But they would say, okay, cool. How, how they would do it is they would say, well, 
if most people you know we know come from Hyde Park, we can say the Hyde the Hyde Park community Market, yeah. is roughly sixty five percent black, blah 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 blah. Got right. it. So right. it, it's, it. it's rough. It's gotcha. rough estimates. Doing the beach is a little bit easier because we had tickets. So you can, so you get can see what people came data. from. Yeah. And fifteen percent of the people actually last year came from out of town, out of the state. Wow. Fifteen percent. Good. Let's Damn. grow that number. Let's grow so that number. now we can say, okay, cool. This actually is also tourism. Because for some of your folks that are from out of state and the age. So we can say, so now if a company is trying to reach that, you know, 25 to 35, you know, uh, old bracket, and we got 15,000 people in that bracket, man, I want to reach these people. Yeah, I'm going to give you market. some stacks so I can get a presence at your festival. Yep, right. now, now, a company will say, to me, that's worth whatever, $20,000 to have my sign, my logo, blah, blah, to, you know, to, to meet this festival. But you got to get a bunch of people to come give you the money. Right. You know, so you got to find the right you know, the right sponsors, is it a car company, is it a liquor company, is it, you know, whoever, you know, and, and I try and stay away from... Right, he wasn't going to have Swisher Sweet sponsor. Yeah, the, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, too, you know, in the black community, they say, well, we're going to just do, like, the lowest of the low. Let's be honest. Like, you know, so I'm like, nah, I kind of want to do something a little bit more, maybe some, some healthier stuff. Some like, right. Little Lemon, one of our sponsors, actually, Little right. Lemon. So, okay, now we're going to no. do some yoga, blah, 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 blah. I'm not so, going to talk shit about y'all, okay, because y'all helping my man out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for right. real. But, you know, but it could be like, you know, maybe like Microsoft, things that we use that not necessarily like the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, the sponsorship game. But it's, you know, but now luckily we've been doing this for a long time. People know the brand, they know the name. It's easier for me to do it than it might People be. People want to attach to right. it, yeah. You know, because why would I give you $10,000? Who, who are you? You yeah, know, is, is anybody going to come? Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's kind of how it works. Got it. Out, man. No, and the only reason I ask because in the podcast space it's a real thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. you know, you can say that you can sell ad space, right? Uh, or, or you can get sponsored. So and, and it's about again metrics, and I'm glad you said that. Um, because even for us, when we do get our sponsors and, and we do have our ads, like uh, they want to see the metrics. They want to know yeah. and I and I got it. I know what time it is, right? right? Um, but I just didn't know how that worked for a festival. This is, this yeah, is the same, same in some ways, okay. but again, but you're reaching out to different kinds of um, sponsors and who you're competing with. You have, you know, the Pitchforks, the, you know, the Lollapaloozas. You have these other festivals that have a whole different demographic, you know, and think about it. There's only really four large festivals on the South Side. You got, you know, the African Fest, you know, Swain's, uh, High Park High Fest, Park Summer Fest, Chosen Few, and Silver Room Block Party. Yeah. So oh, you only have- dope festivals, no shit. Right. Yeah. So you only have really four, four larger ones on the North Side that's probably- 20. Ooh, man. Yeah, they got yeah, one every yeah. day. They be right, going. exactly. Yeah. And, and six up in my district. I hate working. Right. <laughs> and, so, and so now it's like, okay, are we trying to reach, you know, the, you know the, the black community with these four festivals as opposed to trying to reach this other community? So there's some, you know, racial issues going on too with right. companies and how they want to outreach, Identifying who they want to engage, wanna be, yeah. how you want to sell them, tell them like, look, no, this is good for you to be here. Right. You know, and I think some of them get it and it's a whole thing about, you know, post-George Floyd, there's a whole other discussion. Right. See that? But, um, Diversity. We always talk about that though because people want to seem like they're on the right side of, of they want to be on the right side of doing things. At least they want to seem like whether they give a fuck or not. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Especially yeah. post post 2020 and how that goes. You know what I'm saying? Is there a a particular incident that really opened your eyes further? Because it's, to me, it seems like you already knew the the ills and the bumps in the road that will come to being a black person in this entrepreneurship space, in this creative space, in this restaurant space. Is there an, an event or uh, something that happened that kind of opened your eyes? Like, damn, it's really deeper than what I thought. Um, I mean, I, not really. Honestly, I say, you know, maybe I could think about the block, back to the block party again. I was sitting at the table. Uh, it was literally a, a big table. We were at the Wicker Park, Wicker Park Fest. Illuminati. <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> and, and they were talking about performers. 
Right. And I was, at the time, you know, uh, Frankie was still living. I said, we mm. should get Frankie Knuckles. They had the budget for it. Right. And they were like, oh, they were hemming and hawing. And I'm like, okay, I've seen this festival for three years in a row. There's never been one black performer, not once. And I'm like, well, can you explain to me why? And they were like, well, they had excuses, basically. Yeah, they said, of course. Well, the police didn't want rap to be here because it could cause problems. I said, I didn't even say rap. I just yeah, said right. Black people perform all kinds. Right. I'm like, right. dude, we, you can even go to Humble Park, grab five Puerto Ricans from Humble Park, and you got <laughs> right. some salsa. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. I'm just saying some sort of diversity, you know? Right. And then I'm sitting there, and then I, it just, it, I'm like, it hit I'm like, why am I begging them to be a part of their thing? Uh, and I think, if talk about a moment, I'm like, this is, I've never been that way. Right. I was a street peddler. I made my own money that way. I right. bought my own store. Why are we as black people always trying to be Fighting included in their stuff? Yeah. 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 yeah, so I'm like, man, we ain't got to do this. We can make our own stuff. So that, so that was kind of, you know, and that's this is the same thing. You know, we going downtown, spending money down there. We spent a lot of money, you know. Man. Right. Black folks yeah. spend a lot of we money. Do. I see us, you know, West Loop, Soul House. I'm like, this is a, do we, we see if we just took that money and, and spend it right on our community? We, can have, we, we ain't got nothing. Well, we got to start spending our own money on our neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we got to have a place to do that. So I'm like, okay, here's a spot that's the same quality, if not better, the place you can get in, in, in West Loop. So let's see what happens. No, it's, it's so better. That, that, go ahead and say it. It's okay. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> talk but, your shit. It's okay. It's no, what but you like. it's but what you know, but uh, I mean, to me, it's like okay, you know, it's it's a, it's a concept, a proof of concept. It's not about just this space. I would love to see other spaces in this neighborhood that people see, not just not just Bronzeville Southside, Chatham, South Shore, whatever. You know, we need more spaces and more things to do in our own community. But we should be the ones doing it, right? And not wait for somebody else to do it. Do you see? I mean, right. we got a couple of friends in common that you know I've gotten into the Eldridge, you know, mm -hmm. from the yeah. Delta, right? Yeah. And he's so what I've known in talking to Eldridge. Tame. What I'm talking to him was interesting is like, so when he goes for, a, he, he initially was like, maybe he'll do multiple deltas, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then he was like, no, nah, I kind of want to do different concepts with each mm -hmm. thing. Is that something you're thinking? Are you thinking like multiple Bronzeville wineries or just, or a different concept if you did another restaurant? Of, if I did another one, I mean. Even Eric, right? Eric's got the Virtue and then he's got the Po' Boy spot, right? Yeah. So it's like, it seems like not do, it, it seems like back in the day, everybody wanted to get like, you know, wall burgers. All right, I won't. A thousand wall burgers yeah, around right, the world. Yeah, it seems chain, like now chains. it's shifting. You want like a, a family of restaurants that that um maybe hit different markets or right. something. I mean, this this restaurant was, was was made for this neighborhood with this neighborhood in mind. I mean, even technically it's not a winery, but I wanted to like lead with wine. Mm -hmm. Um if I did an event if I if I did a space rather than say South Shore, it might be similar, but might be like tweaked a little bit. Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. So um I, f I feel like every space is a little bit different. I got gotcha. you. Know? Before we let you go, man, a couple quick ones. Um, favorite hip hop album? Oh, Illmatic, man. Come on. Nas Illmatic. That's the really? that's, 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 that's that's easy so one. So Nas is better than Jay Z. Illmatic, there's no better album than that. Man. In, in, in the history of hip hop, favorite RB album? Wow, that's a good question. Favorite. You like what's like, bro? Yeah, it's great, though. Gotta come back to that. Yeah, one. gotta come back. Favorite RB album? Top, top. Maybe not favorite. Like, what are some of the top? I mean, just me growing up, this is probably even pre-R&B, but like Stevie Wonder, man. The, okay. He's the go-to bar, oh, I mean, Stevie. in my opinion. You, 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 any, of his t any of his first yep. 10 albums, I mean, Song of the <laughs> Key of Life, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's, those are classic. What about man. current artists? And Prince. Current artists I mean, I was a big Prince Absolutely, Prince. Prince. Oh, Prince, Prince was, yeah, Prince is extraordinary. Um, current artists, who am I listening to? A, a Cleo, you know, Cleo Soul? I like no. her a lot. Cleo Soul. Cleo Soul. She's okay. She's okay to me. I like her. I've been listening to her. The album's a couple years old, but she's she's pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, uh, salt, you know salt. No, yeah, it's a S A U L T. Like yeah, that's super dope. S A U L T. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just trying to find this new stuff, man. So, 
So you're not set on any particular people. If it sounds good, it's what you like in your lane of music, you give it a shot, give it a listen. Yeah, you know I listen to every. I listen to jazz, house. You got to. Rock. I mean, a lot of classic rock, man. Really? Still yeah. listen to, you know, Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. And, okay. I just classic, started man. listening to David Crosby after he died. Crosby, you know Phil what I mean? Nash, I, yeah. I just started listening. It's some phenomenal See, music, I grew up, man. Yeah. This is the thing. So, okay, I grew up with a bunch of white people. Mm. So, I was listening to Rush and you know, Metallica, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Errol Smith, you know, and then plus, you know, the whole Blue Eyes Soul and the Steely Dan, all that yeah, kind of no stuff. No such thing. Yeah. Then my father... On the Steppers Club, so Herb Kent was one of his first uh, first DJs. Shout out, shout, shout out, out to Herb Robin. You know, so Robin. all of the you know, the Steppers music. Then '80s was house music. So deep into you know Lil Lewis, Frankie Knuckles, you know Ron Hardy, all the tracks. Also '80s was beginning of house uh, yeah. hip hop. So De La Soul came to Northern when I was there as a freshman year. I paid seven dollars to see De La Soul. Seven, seven dollars. You know, nice. so public it's number enemy, one at McDonald's now. You know. All of you know all the early hip hop stuff, man. So it's just, I listen, listen, listen to every. You had a full, yeah. You had a yeah. full. Yeah. I feel like I know this answer, but I'm gonna ask anyway. Uh, Jordan or LeBron? It's a great question. So here's here's my honest answer. So I made a lot of money from the Bulls selling bootleg Bulls t-shirts. <laughs> hey, come on now. Shout out to the facts. <laughs> Shout out to the Dude, We had we had Bulls championships printed two I weeks can in only advance. Imagine, yeah. So we made I need a lot one of those shirts. You might want to release those. I mean, Jordan. I mean, it's kind of hard to. I mean, that, 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 again, it's one of those questions where how can you go back in time and compare something then to now? It's kind of hard to do. Mm. Two different players, you know, LeBron's much bigger than Jordan. Different Defense is sure. different, you know, yeah. hand checking, you can't, you know, it's all, it's a different kind of game. It. More physical back then. You Allegedly. know, uh, LeBron is, he did his thing. He's going to be the leading scorer of all time. I mean, you can't, you can't deny that. LeBron is a, is a person. I appreciate what he's done. Absolutely. With his schools, his, his you know his generosity. Jordan is man. I don't that's kind of the that's the, the that's the running that's the <laughs> yeah. running line. You can't really like, front on that. It's like LeBron no, as a human. Everybody's like not to front LeBron. On that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and also, I give him credit too. The whole you know I'm taking my talents to Miami. He was being hated. I think he realized his mistake. He, he felt like he kind of grew from that. And you know, as I don't. A, you think it was a mistake? I don't think no one's wrong with what he said. He would say it's a mistake. Oh, wow. That was stupid. I'm, I don't know I'm taking my talents to Miami. That was dumb. Well, maybe the way he said it. It's the decision. But no, the decision, but, but how he know. did it, people in Cleveland hated oh, yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He made it so, all flashy. Fuck Cleveland. Like he was young, but <laughs> I'm Cleveland. saying, I would bet you, in high, I think I heard him say it, in he, hindsight, yeah. he would have done it that way. Everybody I think would have Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some people will undo tweets. Some people undo posts. But he was younger. He was young. I say, you know, but him as a person, I respect him. But also, he also said out the gate he didn't want to be in Cleveland before he got drafted. Like, he threatened to not play in the NBA. But the way he did it, the whole TV spectacle, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, he definitely went overboard. But yeah, but I mean, you know. I'm sure it wasn't just So answer your question, Jordan as a player, that was a special time, man. That's kind of hard to say anything against that. CDJs or vinyl? Come on, man. Right. Right. That's not okay. Even a, okay. That's, that's right. Did you see how yeah. long he talked about the tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to ask him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and here's the reason why, too. Even now, when people play, you know, music, you know, on the jump drive, and I get it, the convenience of it. I like the tactile nature of physical things. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you grab, even with the record, you read the back of it. You read who the liner notes and who mm -hmm. made this and who did the styling and and the, the information. You know, just into a, an album cover. It was a photographer, mm -hmm. a stylist. Mm -hmm. It was a, a writer. It was a, that, yeah. it was a lot of art that went into the music. Now it's like we can make Computer. we can make a song in, yeah. in three seconds, yeah. you know. And so because it's so much, it's disposable. It doesn't have the same imports. I was thinking about even when I was buying records from uh, imported imports, etc. Might be before yeah, your yeah. time, but imports, etc. And gramophone. I would walk from Robbins to the train in Blue Island, catch the, the bus from 95th Street down to you know the, the, the L. Catch the train all the way downtown, 
walk several blocks to go into a record store and flip through yeah. records and buy. Yeah. For I had, hours. I had a hundred some dollars. You know, that's a man, beautiful time, though, man. You know, that's a beautiful time. But you no, know, but uh, but I think what it was is like you cherish those records more because mm. you made an effort. Yeah, you know, and you had your little bag of records, man. Yeah. You, you, you didn't want to lose them. Yeah, you know? it was cool. You, go back home, you put them records on there. You know, it, it meant something. Now you just you know, click, yeah, click, but you, click. But you know I what though? The same thing. For that me, it, it, it can't mean as much as the effort you put into like actually the physical nature. I, I wasn't that. a DJ though, so I mean, this is really quickly. I, I'll be quiet for this because it's time to go. So I wasn't a DJ, but I was an avid music listener my entire life. You know, we grew up on my dad playing Marvin and Steve. I mean, you play the piano. Everybody else. I do. <laughs> Allegedly. I do. I also play with something else, too, though. I'm playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Motherfucking, uh, but it, it, melt, it meant something to me. It meant something to me to go into these uh, Sam Goodies and Best Buys or whatever. And these, these moms and pet both. Uncle Pep, miss you, man. You know what I'm saying? Miss Uncle Pep's music store on the corner of Lockwood, Chicago Avenue. But to go in and look through CDs and CDs and CDs, like to this day, I still have my CD books. And people laugh at me like, you old motherfucker. Oh, I got mine. You got yeah. the CDs in, in the book. Mine. Yeah, motherfuckers. When it comes down to it, guess what? The shit you can't stream, I still got. Yeah. Facts. I used to buy tapes Facts. from over at Maxwell Street. Man. There you Facts. go. Yeah. Yeah. Facts, that was, I remember uh, people used to make them. Tapes. Yep. They make them at the African uh, Fest. That used to be oh. a thing. You would get them uh, the, 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 the copy. Yeah. They, they would uh, uh, dub. Dub. You know what I'm saying? The dub tapes. Yeah. My second favorite hip hop album is uh, a brand Nubian. Which oh, one? Which one? Which one? Which one? The, which one? Um, the uh, one with um, with all for one, all for one, brand new. Yeah, they made my, they made my, my fourth favorite hip hop song of all time. It's uh, slow down with brand new. That's my yeah. shit. Yeah. That, okay. that brand new album. That was I, I wore that album out. <laughs> when I get, when I wore that album out, man. My brother had that album. He, he played that for me. But it was uh, when we did we did a show with Puba and Sadat X. And and uh, uh, Lord Jamal, right? Lord That's Jamal, yeah, yeah. And then, so it was. It was that was kind of one of my like favorite moments in career, where it was just like, man, I actually met these guys. You know what I'm saying? I used to listen to them when I was 12, 13. And they got me uh, thinking about the five percent nation. I started yeah. reading. I started going. You know, being five five percenters and what that meant and. That kind of influenced a lot of... A lot that was, of man, that was back in the X-Clan days. That was back when, again, hip-hop hip -hop was, was about culture. Yeah. It wasn't man. about finesse. It wasn't about no. celebrating riches. It wasn't about none. No. It was about culture. It was about talking about your culture. It poured back into it. your culture. It poured back into it. You know what, Eric? We have a long-standing conversation uh, about culture, right? And I have to ask you before we leave. What is the culture? Mm. If you have to define it, what is the, what is the culture? For the culture. Yeah, when so, they say that, what does that look like to you? What I would say... You know, so at Silver Room, we say uh, community, art, and culture. That's like a little tagline. So to me, the community is the people. The art is what we do. The culture is how we feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's the vibe of what we're doing. You know, so sometimes it's hard to explain what that means. This is culture. Right? You know, photos sitting around talking. Facts. And when, when, when you asked me about the album, I said, Illmatic, we all knew a feeling that that brought to us. Yes. And he was like, oh, Jay-Z. So we know that's the debate. Right. They're sitting sit in a chair at the barbershop about, you know what I'm saying? That's, 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 right. a, that's a culture that goes unspoken in some ways. So uh, to me, that's what it means to me. So people you know, say for the culture, like how do you, who decides if it's really for the culture or if it's not? Like, because there's people out here saying they, they putting on for the culture and they trash. <laughs> I mean, you know, culture, it's, it's you know, it's, it's some, sometimes it's it can nuance. be ambiguous. It's nuanced. It kind of shifts, you know. There's a lot of different kinds. There's a hip hop culture, mm. which so is different than a, than a house music culture. You know what I mean? Mm. So they sometimes overlap. But for me, you know, my culture is everything that I'm interested in. The aesthetic the design, the fashion, the music, the art, like 
even this is a certain culture in here, you know, when everything is very intentional, you know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I see the culture means to me. It's dope, man. I like that. So. I like that. Well, look, man, we appreciate your time. All right, this is episode yeah, 132, man. Clap it up, man. Oh, man. Hey, 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 uh, good question. So they're doing this like race car thing. You heard about that? Oh, the NASCAR down. NASCAR? We're talking, we're talking oh, yeah, yeah. About that. yeah. Well, it's affecting yeah, yeah, yeah. you. It's affecting everybody. So, so basically, like they're pushing everything's being pushed up a week or two because it's the Fourth of July weekend. So the chosen few picnic is it's always that moved. weekend. They're gonna be the yeah. following week. You don't want to be. So on the same we normally weekend. have the third weekend in July. So we might be third. It might be fourth. I haven't decided yet, but gotcha. I'm gonna figure it out next mm-hmm. week. So. Dig that. Yeah. Well, either way, man, uh, get your tickets. Okay, it's going down, man. Uh, Silver Room Block Party. All right, Corner Convo. I don't know, maybe a collab. You know, we gotta talk off mic. Yeah, so we, we'll there figure, you go. We'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, price just went up because you know we were nominated for the number one podcast in Chicago. There you yeah. go. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of, don't, don't worry about that. You know, what I mean, also made the 2022 uh, Media Makers list. All right, right? all right, you know, all right. All right. All right. It was different now when, when we talk to sponsors, man. You got leverage now. Whoa, whoa. Shout out Randomly Selected. We know the Silver Room that's Podcast. That's right. Mario, Mario. Mario. Shout out to Mario. That's, that's, yeah, that's home team. That's home team. Uh, but no, we appreciate your time, man. This is episode 132. Gratitude, brother. Corner appreciate Combo, you. man. We, we out. Yeah, I definitely didn't know you made the copies. I can't stand. That was the worst. <laughs> 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 <laughs>